Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. Security of personal accounts like email and banking is generally understood. To some extent, so is enterprise data security. The new horizon is open data and data monetization, where elements of data generated by us is depersonalized, aggregated, and resold to help make decisions. So who is responsible for keeping our data secure, and should we as individuals be worried? This is episode 14 of Location Matters. My name is Adam Mullitz, and today I'm joined by two Richards from NGIS. We've got Executive Director Richard Bentley, and we have Principal Consultant Richard Green. Now, Richard Green is joining us on this episode about security because he has a Master's in Cybersecurity and is one of our leading consultants. So I'm going to start with you, Richard Bentley. The digital age means everything is online. Do we have to worry about data security? I think data security is is a thing that we need to be aware of. I mean, the younger the younger people in my family don't seem to worry about their personal data. With Facebook, they'll uh, click on a uh, I suppose a game or some sort of uh, I suppose feedback mechanism that says I'm going to take all of your contacts, I'm going to take your birth date, your gender. Uh, your marital status and use it for whatever purpose I, I want. And they don't seem to care. I don't think they get it. Um, you know, as, as you know, we're older individuals in the, in the community, we value, there is a you know, commercial value to the information that we hold about ourselves uh, and we value that. So I think there's, you're seeing a, you're seeing a shift from the, you know, the young'uns out there um, who, you know, they've dealt with this all their lives and they're a bit more blasé about it than we are. Um, but I think as they mature, they'll understand that there is there is an issue with the, the sharing of information. So, yeah, I think it's really important. What do you think, Richard Green? Um, well, for me, I, I always uh, stick with what Joseph Heller said in uh, his book, Catch-22. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't out to get you. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, what, what a lot of people don't realize is, uh, and this goes for businesses as well as individuals, that uh, they, they have this impression that I'm only small. Sure, I, I only use my computer for online banking and, uh, and maybe Facebook. Um, you know, sure, why would anyone be interested in my information? And really, they have to frame themselves in the idea that it's not you. All of these attacks and all of these uh, um, hacks that take place, most of them are automated. It makes absolutely no difference to the hacker uh, who you are or where you're from. Um, And they can quite literally use the exploits that are available to them. Um, They will take your information and sell it. And they don't care who you are or what information they get. They will just simply take it. So that's really the... So people really have to take that um, idea that everyone is out to get you on the internet. All right, well, let's think about business. We often hear about the conversation, should it be in the cloud? Should it be on-premise? Should it be in the public cloud? Should it be in a private cloud? And, you know, the Googles, the AWSs and the Azures of the world, you know, they'll tell you that they have hundreds of people working on security and that they are safer. And, yeah, this message makes sense, but we still get people who want to do it on-premise. So which is better security and when do you go for one over the other. 
like all good consultants I'll answer with uh, the two words it depends and really it comes down to uh, it depends on the type of system the type of data being held the type of business that you're running um, so the, the key thing in all security is uh, it comes down to three letter acronyms and they are always the best and that's CIA confidentiality is the first one uh, what are you holding uh, is is it secure Does it? Who, are the people who need to get access to it uh, have access to it the people who don't need access to it don't get access to it uh, that encompasses things like uh, encryption. Is it? Are you making sure that it's uh, it's secure in case someone takes it off site? Uh, who? Where are they accessing it from? The I in this is integrity. Now this is quite interesting because uh, people don't think about integrity as if I send you a message, how can I be sure that someone hasn't changed that message in on within transit? Uh, one story I heard quite recently was a company doing business with a small cleaning um, company uh, and they came in and they paid their bill every week and everything was going fine and suddenly they receive an email from the person to say oh we've recently changed our bank details uh, could you please update your system and they said okay this is from someone we trust this is this seems like it's correct. Uh, they change the updater systems and they start paying the bill into this new bank account. Wow. And suddenly they get a phone call saying, why haven't you paid your bill for the last three weeks? And, you know, it, that's the integrity. That's where integrity breaks down. And the final uh, one that is availability. availability. So that would be where um, you, you people... Most systems, most companies, if the system goes down for an hour or two, it really doesn't cause too much of a drama. But if you're in a medical space and, and you know, suddenly a heart monitor goes down for a couple of hours, that could be a real problem. So, so there are the three things that you should deal with. And regarding the cloud or on-premise, it's exactly the same. Availability, the cloud is really a great place to be. Um, but integrity, you have to kind of think, well, you're actually sending information across the internet. So you're kind of increasing your risks in, in that space. Confidentiality, that's a problem for both sides. Uh, so, you know, whether it's in the cloud uh, where you think it's more confidential or if it's on-premise where you think it's it's more confidential, um, that's really just comes down to uh, what you're holding. So it sounds like we're always going to be exposed to risk, but it's going to be a different sort of risk. From a business cost point of view, Richard, I mean, what... Why? What would come into the decision if you were going to choose between on-premise or in the cloud? Um, I, I suppose when when we're looking at it, we're looking at um, the cost versus the the performance um, is or is always there. So, you know, like we think um, when we're in the cloud that the security team working on that is far better than any security team that we could engage. But, I mean, Richard's right in the fact that as soon as you start sending things outside of your uh, office, it's going to, to places that you have no control over. You know, you send an email, it bounces all around the planet before it finds its mailbox uh, of the recipient, and there's lots of listeners at every at every point on the way. And, yeah, so, I mean, for it to be secure, and you need to be almost offline 
uh, and be within a contained environment. That means no Wi-Fi, no Bluetooth, no Internet of Things. I mean, Internet of Things, Richard, I hope you talk about that, about security uh, and the problems that that's going to raise at the sort of the IoT individual device level uh, and the security problems that, yeah, that are there. But for for us, it's, um, you know, it's managing that risk. I mean, you can spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to make yourself uh, really in, impervious, well, almost impervious. But, you know, when you, it's a, it diminishing returns. Uh, would you agree there, Richard? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, when it comes to um, this, there's, there's a certain level of risk that you have to accept. I mean, there's certain risks that are, are endemic with the, the business. You're uh, a flawed a power outage. These are things that are going to happen, and you have to kind of, you know, you, you deal with them in two ways, you, you three ways, I suppose. You 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 accept it, and you say this is going to happen. Let's have an alternative, or uh, you know, we'll have a second power supply, or we or we just simply say we're not going to spend any more money on this. And the other option is to say we are we are going to have our own power station, you know, which is a huge capital investment, and, and it just comes down to what's best for the company and uh, and and how they can have that level of risk that is enough that they can tolerate. Um, on the IoT side of things. Uh, uh, there's a funny statement someone told me was um, uh, the the S in IoT is the security <laughs> because m- m- most of these uh, most of these devices have absolutely no security on them at all um, cameras uh, VCRs all those things that you know people rush to this idea like oh we're all enabled we're all we're putting these devices onto our networks and really they're the companies that are putting together just don't take security seriously or if they do they're you know it's a secondary factor in their uh, delivering to their customers so um it is going to be a lot it's going to be a big big job in the future and we're building up um a lot of work for us in the future to deal with this well that's interesting as a as a segue because internet of things is where we are collecting so much data and a lot of it is very simple but it comes in a steady stream and we know what 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 the data type is and and how to use it so there are big aggregators who are already working on things like this like telcos they know where you are from your sim card facebook they know what you browse on and and the sorts of people that you are based on your uh, connections and your um your likes and your shares Google knows a lot about your location, where you're moving and and how you like to use the internet in general. Then there's Apple, there's banks, there's government, insurance. And they're all into what's called data monetization, which is where they take an aspect of the user metadata, aggregate it, depersonalize it, and sell it so people in other industries, for example, retail, can make decisions. Now, they say they take privacy seriously because they need to maintain their social license to operate like this. So what can we learn from them about what where the journey they've already been on? And do you think, Richard Green, that they're being conservative enough with their approach? Um, pr- 
probably the best way to to approach this is 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 go is just explain how they there's three methods they use for this aggregation. Um, usually they 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 say they will randomize the data. So this is uh, they make it available to people. Uh, they sell it to other organizations, but they say we've randomized it, and that would mean taking your individual, let's say your phone number for example, um, and then completely scrambling it. Uh, so when the other person receives it, they've no way of going. I'm clearly identifying yourself. Uh, the other option was uh, they they sometimes do is what's called aggregation, and this would be a classic of um, they ask you for your date of birth. So from that you can calculate someone's age. But instead of sending you uh, s- sending the age, they might say, "Oh, we you know uh, the person is between." Uh, 25 and 30 or over 45 and then the final one is uh, what they call reference uh, where they might say you're a particular type of business um, or you're in a particular type of business and they say well when we give that information to someone that's number one so the the person receiving the information knows you're a one but isn't able to tell what one that actually relates to so they're the they're the three mechanisms they use. And unfortunately, a lot of these is, is if you get enough information from various sources, you can actually pull them together and interpret them. Uh, and using a lot of the big data queries and the, the systems they have now, they're able to, uh, for, for example, I was told of um, uh, an insurance company in the U.S., which had this great idea saying uh, that we will track your movements and in your car and if as long as you stay in particular areas or you drive on specific roads your insurance quote is lower it's fantastic idea and they said you know we're going to sell that information but it's going to be completely anonymized they will not be able to identify you so they gave this information out to some security researchers just to be sure you know everything was anonymized and security researchers were able to tell exactly who the person where their home was and where their work was simply by tracking by knowing how far forward the car drove before it stopped, which indicated there was a possibility of a, uh, a traffic lights, uh, whether they turned right or left. There's only, only so many streets that have that length of uh, distance mm. and a left and a right. So, so there, there, with a fair degree of accuracy, they were able to take information from which seems anonymous um, and identify you. So, so the, in answer to your question, I would say, uh, stick with the the old Russian proverb, um, trust but verify. Um, Google, Facebook, they often have uh, terms of uh, reference and and customer service agreements that they update on a regular basis, and I would doubt anyone reads them. Um, And even if you said, no, you do not accept, you've pretty much already given your information over to these people. Um, So you just have to be very wary. You just have to be very wary what you give these uh, companies and try and hold them to account. That reminds me of a um, an article I read about Strava where if, if for those who use the app, it tries to protect your home location by drawing a large circle where your origin is and saying this person started within this circle. However, you only need about 50 journeys to actually pinpoint their exact house by essentially averaging out the center points of all of those circles um, across multiple journeys and then you know exactly where they live. So I guess anything can be broken if you really try hard enough. I mean, Richard, do these companies have to work hard to maintain their social license to collect and sell this data? 
Look, I think they do. I mean, like um, Richard was saying, um, with people like telcos, um, you know, the data, the, the vast amounts of data that they're collecting, you know, cross-reference with, you know, credit card activity. So the data that they might give to a third party is anonymous, but the data that the third party may have may break that anonymity because they can sort of reverse engineer it. And that's exactly, I mean, I'm glad you picked up on that, Richard, because that's exactly the thing that I'm worried about. And really only time time will tell, you know, what sort of impact this is going to have, uh, you know, when insurance companies and our online medical um, medical records are uh, available to whomever, um, you know, with insurance companies and, and gene banks and, and things where I've given my DNA over to Ancestry.com you know, and I'm getting uh, lots of connections with third and fourth cousins. Being from Tasmania, I've got lots of uh, third and fourth cousins. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it, those sorts of things, you know, they're just small uh, you know, breadcrumbs of our life, but people are scooping them all up in a dust with a dustpan and, you know, a digital dustpan and broom and bringing it all together and then building a picture of, of this person. So what it, it also reminds me of, a, I have my own personal experience of this, and I was working with a, a company in Ireland, where I'm originally from, and uh, we uh, had a set of cl- clients, and we basically put that on the, the website. The idea being that uh, we are advertising um, our clients, and if people needed to get information on who our clients were, and we were promoting our clients, this is the place to go. And what actually happened was... Um, someone took that information and was able to link it with some information from uh, some government records from the the company's office and also with some uh, information from the Department of Taoiseach, which is the the main president uh, back in Ireland, and put a report together, sent it to the Irish Times, indicating that's a national newspaper in Ireland, uh, indicating that... uh, the, our company was favouring certain political parties because of this. Um, so that information went to the newspapers. Immediately, there was, as you can imagine, there was, a, was quite a blow-up uh, from the directors saying, what is going on? We have been hacked. We have been hacked. When, in essence, no, no one was hacked. They just happened to put the information together in a very innovative way. I would almost say it's not exactly accurate way, but they they managed to get that information. And these are things that Facebook and Google and Apple are going to have to deal with because their responsibility is they they will be painted by the loss of this information, even though, you know, uh, in essence, the, the good part of them is being able to offer these services to their people. But if people take that information and are able to use it separately, they'll be blamed. They will, they will, they will hold a certain uh, responsibility. And there's no, there's no way an organisation can imagine all of the different combinations and permutations of the way the data could be used. Like you're saying, political, uh, political party, uh, parties, you know, wasn't even on your yeah. radar when you put that data on on the website. Exactly. So when we build mapping applications, we're often working with data which is personal like address data are there any particular considerations around this and is it the data providers or the users that need to take the steps to provide security around this look 
I'd challenge the address is a is a is a private piece of information because there's a physical location you can drive past it and you can collect that information and you know where that address is. I think it's more about the things that are occurring at the at that address. You know, uh, whether it, what type of house it is, if it's got a swimming pool, um, you know, how big your electricity bill is. Um, you know, are you registered to vote? Um, did you do your last census? Uh, you know those sorts of things. So, so I think that um, the answer, in in short, is probably no. If it's around location, but it's protecting the identity at that next level of what it is uh, that we're tracking. So, if it's a person, a vehicle, an animal. Um, you know where something's located. We had a uh, project. Oh, it must be 10 years ago now. Uh, for the year of the incontinent, we had to map all of the public uh, toilets. And one of the councils here in Western Australia was the last council to give their data because they didn't want to give it because it was they thought it was private. And we found it very difficult to reconcile that with the, the fact that it's a public toilet. So there are you know, they are places where people should know where they are. But they were saying, oh, it could be a haunt for pedophiles. Now, it's not that a pedophile can't see a public toilet um, until it's been put on a map. So we found it really difficult, but that's that's the sort of thing that you're, you're coming up against, um, you know, with the, that uh, early days of data sharing. People were worried how it could be used by, you know, we had a great intention in mind and, you know, and people thought about some, some of the darker stuff that uh, that might be attached to a location. So, Richard Green, just to end the podcast, do you have any sources of information that people could potentially look at if they are looking for, you know, a place to learn more about cybersecurity or data security? Certainly, does um, I'll I'll hand a few. I've got quite a few here, so uh, maybe we'll uh, update the show notes on those. But specifically, I'd probably uh, recommend for for people the uh, checking out the uh, Essential Eight. So um, the Australian Signals Directorate have uh, produced a list of eight very simple steps and stages that uh, companies should um, should do. Uh, it's just standard practice i suppose for um for security and with regards to podcasts there's a there's a pretty good podcast called security now which i listen to on a regular basis quite entertaining it's been running for quite a few years and there's also um there's lots of websites and various uh, other places you can go all right we'll put those links on the show notes so that can be found on our website ngis.com.au slash newsroom slash podcast thanks very much to the two richards for joining us today as always you can subscribe to our podcast by going to apple Podcasts, stitcher or spotify you've been listening to location matters the podcast from ngis covering the world of mapping and location technology to find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.